0: Before we begin our time in God's Word this morning, I just want to address uh, what's happening with Hurricane Harvey because I know a number of y'all at Wayside have been asking, what are we doing as a church? First thing I want to highlight for you is the church is the body of believers. It's not this building. It's not what we do as Wayside. On Sunday, When you leave the building, you are the church. And I'm excited to say, first of all, that what Wayside has been doing through the individual believers is already being mobilized and going uh, to do things. We had men down there this weekend. One man took a generator and set up a cell phone charging station and was cooking food and handing it out. Uh, we have Buzz Croner who's leaving tomorrow pulling a trailer down. So if you wanted to donate some supplies to go with him, that's great. Just talk to me. We'll get you Buzz's name and see if he has any room left in it. In terms of donations, let me just say this. Please don't send teddy bears and all your old used clothes in the the closets that you have. I know you want to be helpful. But that kind of stuff actually piles up and becomes more of a problem for what they're already dealing with there. If you want to send clothing, buy brand new underwear and socks. Leave it in the package. It's size, they know it's clean. They can hand that out to people. It gives them dignity to have clothing like that. Uh, you've seen on our website and through some email blasts that we've sent out, we're partnering with Reach Global. That's the disaster relief arm of our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church. And so uh, they they are setting up offices down by the coast and also there in Houston. And they will be able to uh, be the clearinghouse and mobilize teams. What I want you to hear first is this, pray. Pray number one. That is something you can be doing right now. People are devastated. Uh, They're they're looking around and wondering, uh, is there hope? And we have the hope of the gospel. So everything we're trying to do Uh, not only in meeting the physical needs, is ultimately to point people to that hope as well. I know many want to do something. You see the devastation on the news. You're wanting to go right now. Uh, But what I want to remind everyone here is that this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, This is not going to be two weeks, and we're done. It's not going to be months, and we're done. It's not going to be one year, and we're done. The recovery along the coast, the recovery in Houston, the surrounding communities is going to be long-term. Uh, I know many in our church have family members there, parents. uh, Some have properties down there. I've talked to over 12 different families that say, we have property down there that's been destroyed. Uh, Is the church going to do something to help us? We want to know if you know of a need, a particular family, or you have something, you can put it on a piece of paper, give it to us. And we are going to be trying to look at what can we do to come alongside. But I want you to hear that the primary, first and foremost, that we're concerned with are people who are in their primary homes that have no homes right now. So if you have a vacation property, a second home or something like that, that's important. But we're, we're going to be taking care of people who are in shelters and without homes right now. I have a brother who lives in Corpus. I understand uh, what y'all are dealing with. I have family that's affected by this tragedy personally. But we're going to be partnering with churches that are in those communities that know the people, the needs, and then can be the lighthouse. I've been on the phone with friends of mine that are pastors there in Houston, three different men this week. Uh, One of them told me a very surreal experience of how he kayaked through his own living room. So, you know, there are pastors who were affected by this, and they're trying to reach out and help the people around. So I love that we are the church, and we want to be the church mobilized. Uh, The church is not just Sunday morning, it's all through the week. So if you're going to be doing something, you heard Pastor Michael talk about his small group is already going down to do a relief trip. Let us know if we have uh, an understanding of what's being done. We can put that out there and we can connect people to partner with you. But we are doing a lot of things. You can give financially through Reach Global. Uh, They're mobilizing, they're setting up offices there. And uh, we're going to be sending work teams, not just in the near term, but in in the months and even a year plus to come. So if you want to be a part of that, let us know. Uh, If you want to give, you see the links on our website already to do that. If you're going to be going on your own, uh, that's wonderful. Just let us know. And like I said, we can maybe point people to partner with you. But please be in prayer for them and all that's happening. God can use this. Uh, for his glory. So we want to we want to be the church and uh, excited to see what God's going to do in and through this as this uh, church and the rest of the believers in and around the coast in Houston mobilize. Well, when we travel, we sometimes send a postcard to tell people about our trip. And today I want to give you a report about the teaching trip that Pastor Michael and I took to Uganda and Rwanda. And the way that I want to do that is by looking at a New Testament letter by the name of 3rd John, because it's like a New Testament postcard because of both the size and the personal nature of the letter. If you're wondering where is the book of 3rd John, go to the very back of your Bible, the book of Revelation, and it is the book right before Revelation. It's going to be that page that's stuck together. Maybe you've never opened it. It's a very short letter, one page in length, uh, the book of 3rd John. And I want to begin reading verses 1 through 8 today. It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when the brethren came and bore witness to, the, to your truth. That is, that how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, and they bear witness to your love before the church, and you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Now, as this letter opens, you see that there's a to and a from. It's written to Gaius, whom... John the Apostle calls beloved. So this is a a loved leader in the church. And John identifies himself, the one who's sending the letter. The Apostle John says he's an elder. He uses the Greek word presbyteros. And this is a word that can speak both of somebody who's an elder in terms of chronological age as well as a leader who has the office of an elder in the church. And John was both. Uh, he was the last of the living apostles. This letter was written about 90 AD. All the other ones have been martyred at this point. He's the last one living, so he's older in age. Now, when I was in Uganda, I was surprised to find out I've been there a couple times before, but this time I was told by numerous people that I was a senior citizen. And uh, the reason for that is if you're over 50 in Uganda, the, the lifespan of the average Ugandan man is 53 years of age. So um, at 52, I have one more year, according to them, to live on this earth. So they said, you're a senior citizen. And some of you sitting here today are saying, Roger, I have children your age, so you're not old. You're still young. But as John is writing this letter, he is old. He's the last of the living apostles. And what that means is the church has moved on to the second and even the third generation generation. And what he's doing at this point is making sure that the truth continues with each generation. You'll notice that four times in the first four verses, he mentions the word truth. The the plenary session, when I was over in Uganda, there was a a 600-person, 15-nation leadership summit that was taking place. There were people there from six different continents. Uh, there were no penguins from Antarctica, or we would have had the world covered. But as we were there, the the main plenary session they asked me to speak on was uh, raising up the next generation of leaders. And so I talked about this theme of of passing the baton of faith. And so what I did was I used an actual relay baton, and and I talked about how we who are believers who have not only the the truth that is to be passed to the next generation, but also they who are in senior leadership roles. Uh, need to be identifying and finding the the next person that they're going to be passing the baton to, uh, just as you do in a relay race. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but it's been said that the Christian faith is always just one generation away from extinction. You see, God has no grandchildren. Each of us has to come to faith personally. If you're a parent, your children don't become believers just because you're a Christian. They have to personally become a believer. And so the church is always just one generation away from extinction. And what God has done is set up a relay race where we pass the baton of faith to the next and they pass it on to the next and they pass it on to the next. I mean, you find it all throughout scripture. You look at Deuteronomy chapter six, it says as parents, we have the privilege as well as the sacred responsibility of passing the truth on to our children it tells us you shall teach them diligently. You shall teach God's way and word. It's saying you shall teach these things diligently to your sons. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up. Those who are in leadership, those who have been raised up by God in the church. Ephesians four eleven through 13 says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. It's not a solo race. It's a relay where we're to pass on, we're to raise up, we're to equip others. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see the relay? Paul has the baton. He hands it to the young pastor, Timothy. Timothy hands it on to others. And those are then to pass it on to others as well. This this is the the system that God has set up for us. It's, It's the call that he's given to us. And it's what John says he has great joy about. When he says, Gaius, you're this leader that I've passed the truth on to. And I see that you are walking in the truth. And you're passing it on to others. But that's not always the case. As you read throughout the New Testament, what you find is there are, there are times where false teachers come in, and rather than passing on the truth, they pass on heresy. They create new, uh, new uh, heresy that they then share with others and say, This, this is what you should follow after. One of the ways that the early church protected against these type of traveling teachers of heresy, these, these outside influences that would come in, is that they would require letters of introduction or recommendation from those in the church that were known and trusted. This is what we see happening in verse 12. The apostle John tells Gaius, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our witness is true. You see, what he's saying is, Demetrius is known. You can trust this man and what he's teaching. And when Michael and I were over in Africa, we didn't have to bring letters of introduction. We didn't have to prove who we were because we were already known to the ministries there. And the ways that we were known to those ministries is that Wayside Chapel has had a relationship with Africa New Life Ministry that is... um, Africa Renewal Ministry that is there in Uganda and Africa New Life Ministry that was birthed out of it in Rwanda. We've been involved with ARM, the, the ministry there, Africa Renewal Ministries in Uganda for 24 years. The ministry of Wayside Chapel was one of the very first partners that came alongside Pastor Peter and Gaba Community Church to help birth that ministry there. When, when that church began in the district of Gaba, which is right on the shores of Lake Victoria, Lake Victoria is the second largest freshwater lake in the world, and, and it began in a tent on the shores of Lake Victoria. Now, that tent you see is not the one they began in. That was actually in conjunction with the conference. They would hold nightly uh, evangelistic conference outreach into the city, and there you know, 2,000 people would pack that tent. And would hear the gospel. But that's the location where this church began. Right there on the shore of Lake Victoria. And, and that used to be a fish cleaning station. Uh, you heard M- Pastor Michael mention in his prayer. How there was witchcraft there in Gaba. This was a, um, a very undesirable area. It was marshland. It was piles of rotting fish that were there. Uh, there were shrines and witchcraft all around in this area. And as this church was planted in a tent on the shores there. It began to transform not just that little piece of land, but the entire community. And so now there is a, a, a sanctuary there on that property. And this is the interior. There you see the conference delegates from this renewal summit that we were teaching at. And that sanctuary is something that was uh, that you at Wayside Chapel helped build many years ago through the gifts that you gave to our church. We were partnering with them to help erect that building, and now it's a lighthouse. The church isn't the building, as I've already mentioned. The church are the people, but it's given them a location there to reach into that community. Uh, And it's not just what the church as a whole has done. There are individuals within our church that uh, have a great love for that ministry there and have have been a part of it. Uh, Here you see the uh, air conditioning system for the church in Africa, and that fan was actually donated and installed by Pete and Lauren Harold. They're sitting over here. They don't want me to mention them, but uh, they have been long-term partners with that ministry. Uh, they, they put that fan in. Uh, Lauren has been a part of helping the Manguaza Children's Choir, which you've seen here at our church, uh, tour the U.S. Uh, Pete has been on the board there, as has Larry Amstutz and Tom Brown. Our church is intertwined with this ministry, this, this church that has now planted over 600 churches in Uganda, this church that is transforming that nation. We have been partners with them for over 20, for 24 years now. So thank you for what you've been doing in and through that church. Some of the other ministries that are taking place through GABA our child sponsorship you heard me mention africa renewal and africa new life ministries and so there this is pastor michael as you see with his little ugandan daughter named barbara now barbara's not so little anymore well maybe compared to michael she is but um, now she's a senior in high school and so while we were there michael was able to travel several hours out into the bush area and and meet with barbara and she's the first young lady in her family to finish high school not just lady first family member period to finish high school and so here you have you see the power of one person involved in one other life and they've been able to transform it Barbara's just one example here's a, another young man uh... richard and uh... i had the privilege of giving richard a hug for the mascaros they're sitting on the back row and so daniel and elizabeth mascaro have Uh, supported in, in this young man since he was that little boy that you see him pointing to in that picture. And so here again is the power of one family coming alongside and transforming one life. They have walked with this young man from elementary school through high school, his first degree in university, and they continue to support and raise him up. And he is a transformational leader in that nation that is happening. There are literally hundreds of kids in our church that are being sponsored through members of Wayside Chapel. Many of you here are sponsoring children through Africa New Life and Africa Renewal Ministries in Rwanda and Uganda. There are over 16,000 children that are being sponsored from people around the U.S. and around the world. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, I would like to do that. When, when the service is over, you can go out in the foyer and there's a table out there. Cheryl from Africa Renewal Ministries, I think she told me she has 45 kids left uh, there. And if we run out, we can get more because the U.S. offices for Africa Renewal Ministries is housed right over here in one of our Ivywood houses. You may not know that, but we we host the United States Ministry here at Wayside Chapel. So these are just some of the ways that you're involved. But you can, as an individual, change the life of a person who in turn can change a nation. And now as you think in terms of of them changing the nation, it's not just individuals. They're changing the entire educational system. This is the public high school. I'm sorry. the It's not a public high school. It's the high school in... Uh, Kayonza in Rwanda. But what I want you to hear is it is the number one school academically among all private and public high schools in the entire nation. And this has uh, been begun, uh, it was just a vision four years ago. Here, Here I am at the site of the school when it was being built four years ago. And now it is the number one performing school in the entire nation of Rwanda. In fact, most of their schools are at the very top of the list and the government is turning over public schools to these Christian ministries because they're saying you are you are changing and impacting the educational system this is a, a picture of Africa renewal University in Uganda and there are over 500 university students that are there at this campus and what I'm showing you is the new building that's being built again when I was there four years ago teaching in the seminary that is uh, located at this university, uh, there has been such great growth in this school that they've had to continue to build buildings. And as you go there, it's an amazing campus. They have a full farm where they're raising all their own food. They have, they're have they raising goats and rabbits and pigs and they, they feed themselves. They have uh, dormitories there where they house the students. They have these uh, educational facilities. And so again, they're, they're impacting kids, not just at the, the lower levels, but they're, they're, tr- they're creating transformational leaders all throughout the nation. And these are things that you, as members of Wayside, are helping happen through your partnership in the school. This uh, is a church that was planted there at this university. And you can see, maybe not so well in the picture, but it's a dirt floor and a plywood stage. You know, they don't have the building that we have, but the building is not the church, it's the people. And while it's a different venue They share the same vision because we as a church are a community. We come together and create a community to reach the community, and then we say we want people to be rooted in the Word. And when I preached at this church on Sunday, there were people who came to faith in Christ, so they were rooted in a relationship with the living Word, Jesus Christ. They began their walk with God that that Sunday morning. And then there were others that were being rooted in the written Word as they were being taught and matured and grown. And so this is part of our vision as a church, and it's part of our partner's vision, that they want to see lives transformed, not just here on earth, but for all eternity. And then, of course, the next part of our vision is to be reaching out to the world, and this is what's happening through the missions opportunities that we're talking about today. And as you think in terms of of what's happening through the support, uh, it's not just the money you give. It's how you put your lives in the offering plate. I'm only highlighting this morning the trip that Michael and I were able to take this past week. But this past summer, 150 different people from our congregation went out throughout the world. There were three trips here in the U.S., and then there were trips outside to Guatemala, to the Czech Republic, to to China, over into East Asia. We, had, we have had people going around the globe. As we speak this morning... Uh, Pastor Stephen Lay and a number of our men are with him in Peru this morning, uh, working with our missionary partners, Carlos and Meredith Block. So when you see our vision statement, Wayside Chapel is reaching out to the world. It's not just a a nice slogan stuck up on the wall. It is stuff that is happening in and through the lives of this congregation as you are mobilizing and and reaching the world. And as you look at verses 5 through 7, this is what John is commending Gaius for. He says, I see the love that you are showing. He says, beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren. And especially when they are strangers and they bear witness to your love before the church. And you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. They're they're commended for the love they're showing, not just to the Christians. But for the community around, for the people who are strangers, people who are not yet a part of the family of God, people who are saying there's a need. And this this is part of what these ministries are doing over in Africa. There's a holistic ministry, not only feeding and clothing and educating the kids, but they're meeting medical needs. Of those here at that university campus, this is a medical clinic, and they treat they treat people from everything from malaria to babies are born there to accident victims on the road uh, are brought to this facility and, and this is the only medical care in that entire region and there in gaba there's a full service hospital this is the wintz medical clinic operating rooms full service facility that is impacting and changing this village that at one point simply was a little fishing spot on the shore is now a city with a, with a hospital. And over in Kilgali in Rwanda, this is the new hospital that is going to be opening next month. Uh, I mean, that, that rivals any American hospital that we have here. It's going to have uh, two full uh, theaters, uh, operating rooms there in the hospital. Um, our own Al Bruggy has been a part of helping some of this happen. He's going to be there for the dedication next next month and so these are the things that are happening in and through uh, what you do here at Wayside when you give your gifts to to the general fund it supports um, our missions outreach and it's as I said not just what you see in the missions budget it's what people like the heralds are doing where they're doing it on their own it's what some of you are doing it's what you're doing as you sponsor children as as we look at verses five through uh, verses nine through ten here What John says is I wrote something to the church, but Diatrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does unjustly, accusing us with wicked words and not satisfied with this. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, but he forbids those who desire to do so. And he puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, but the one who does evil has not seen God. What we find here is a contrast to all we've just been talking about. Rather than than being a leader in the church who is doing the the things we've just celebrated that our church is doing and and, and you as a body are doing, we find a man who is in the church who said, "I I want to be first. I want to take care of myself. I want to put myself above others. And John is saying here, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. As he was doing these things, I saw sad reminders of this when I was over there in, in Uganda as well. If you know much about Africa, you know that it is a war-torn region. You heard Michael talking about the genocide in Rwanda, where a million people were killed in one hundred days, uh, as the, the, the genocide happened there. All around Uganda, there there are wars that are happening. We see uh, military vehicles all throughout the, the country as you're traveling around. These are sitting on the side of the road. These are uh, because there's wars. There's wars that are going on. There were brothers there from the Congo that were coming up. Kony, who had been in the north, you have, you know, there, there were brothers and sisters from Zambia and, and Kenya and, and the DRC and, and just Tanzania. All these different nations were there. And some of them had to travel through war-torn areas in order to come to this conference. And the reason for that is you have leaders who love themselves more than they love their people. You have leaders who love themselves more than their country, and there's corruption. And part of the purpose of this conference was to address the corruption. It wasn't just church leaders who were there. There were heads of NGOs, non-governmental organizations. There were heads from the government that were a part of this conference. And we talked about the Christian values and what God calls us to do. And we, we challenge them as leaders to be salt and light in their countries and their spheres of influence. And here you see uh, Diotrephes, who was misusing what he had been entrusted with. Jesus Christ said as believers, that's not the way we're to act. What he says is as Christians, in Luke 22, 25 through 26, he says the, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. He says you are not to be a dietary feast. You're not to be a man or a woman who says, what can I get? How can I protect my, my little fiefdom? In Mark 10, 45, we're told, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This man was living counter to everything Christ had taught, which is why John writes here, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. You know, at this conference, I mentioned that there were these various leaders in the government, and and in the bio that they listed in the program for me, they, they said that I had been a police officer in Dallas, and there was a, a man at the conference, a brother named Elias Kakuza, and as you see, he's the chief magistrate of the Ugandan Supreme Court so this is this is uh, the u s Supreme Court in Uganda, and he said, "Can I have lunch with you because I want to talk to you about how to be a believer in this area of of judicial or law?" and he said, "You know, Roger." the parliament makes five times what we make as supreme court judges. And so because of that, many of the justices feel like they need to take bribes uh, so we can raise our standard of living. And he said, what do we do? And I said, what you do is you, you follow the example that Jesus Christ gave. You're not here to serve yourself. You're not here to get what you can. You're here to be salt and light in the courts. You're here to fight corruption. When bribes come, you turn those away. When you find justices who are corrupting justice, you get rid of them. I mean, these are the type of things that are happening uh, over there, and they're the type of things that are happening over here. Many of you as men and women are in the marketplace, and you see where people uh, take advantage of others. There's corruption there's, there's uh, cutting corners, there's various things. And wherever you are, in your homes, your neighborhoods, your schools, your workplaces, you are called to be salt and light. You are called to be servant leaders. You are called to be those who are transformational agents in the places, the spheres of influence that God has placed you. And I was able to encourage Elias and these other believers over there that that's what God has called us to do. As a church, we seek to do this. We seek to do this not just around the world, but right where we are. In Acts 1-8, it says they started locally and went globally. You're to be my witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so as Wayside Chapel, we start by impacting the neighborhoods around us. And then we move into Bear County and then we move into the state and the U.S. and around the world. And as you think about us being here at this one location, at 410, we've planted numerous churches within our city. And as you know, we planted a new location up to the north in Stone Oak. Uh, What you may not know is that they had their one-year anniversary last Sunday. We launched that campus one year ago. And, And the reason we planted that campus up there was to be a place of influence and salt and light in that community. The Mormon temple is just uh, 1.8 miles away from the Stone Oak campus. The Islamic center is two and a half miles the other direction. And in that neighborhood, there are countless people who are not yet church, who do not know the message of Jesus Christ. And we planted as a church, we had a vision to reach our Jerusalem, to reach into that city. And as I said, they had their one-year anniversary last Sunday, and they had a birthday party out there. We weren't there for it. But I want to show you a video. Just uh, we, we can't show you all the testimonies and the things that happened last week at Stone Oak, but I want you just to see this video because it gives you a little bit of a, a window into what God is doing at that campus, which you have helped to birth and support. So I want you to watch this video. About three years ago, the leadership and elders of Wayside Chapel began to pray and plan about opening a second campus location. God was blessing us at our 410 campus. We were exploding in growth, and we wanted to facilitate our vision of reaching our community for Christ. And as we began to look throughout the city, the Stone Oak area was very strategic, and we wanted to impact this community with the truth of the gospel. And so as we looked for property, uh, God was silent for a period of time, but then he opened up a wonderful opportunity here at our current location. And in August 21st of last year, we held our first service here. And God has done amazing things this past year. We've seen lives change for all eternity and the gospel impacting this area. So we're excited about what God is doing now and will continue to do through this Stone Oak campus. Who could carry that kind of weight? it was my, I
1: my name is Mark Greg and I'm sitting with my wife April uh, we we're all from San Antonio here uh, we have two children Connor and Caroline Connor is 12 and Caroline is 11 uh, I work here in town in the finance field and April is a teacher. We have had several friends that have attended Wayside at 410, but it was just too far for us. And then I found out about the Stone Oak location. So, of course, we were very excited to try this location, and as soon as it opened, we've been attending ever since. There's many things that I enjoy about this campus. I like the location, I like the natural aspects of it, I like the, um, it's not overwhelming, it's a nice size, there's things for my kids and there's things for us, and I think um, most of all, I think we just, we like the people here. We like the people and we like the fact that we're, we feel like we're part of a family and we're Mm -hmm. not just a number. Yes. I had been baptized as, a, as an infant, um, but I obviously didn't remember it. I felt that that after talking to Will and and coming for a couple of months, that I needed to I needed to be baptized. The kids had been baptized also as infants, but I thought it would be more appropriate for all of us to be baptized together as a family, especially with the kids being older where they knew what it what it meant. And so we were baptized here. Uh, Will baptized us here at Stone Oak about three months ago and it was it was wonderful it was like we just made a proclamation to the world that that we are uh, following Christ uh, and it was something that that I had wanted to do uh, you know in the last year or so after talking to will uh, and reading the Bible about how you you know need to be washed and, and baptized and I thought it was just a perfect opportunity for not just to me but for the whole family where I was broken I'm Will Davis, the campus pastor here at Wayside Stone Oak, and my wife Kara and I consider it one of the greatest joys and blessings of our lives to see Christ and the work that he has done in our people here at the Stone Oak campus. But the work is far from done as we continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and obey his great commission to go and make disciples of all people. So happy birthday, Wayside Stone Oak, and I'm so glad. You've been with us.
0: So this morning, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being a part of all that God is doing in and through Wayside Chapel, not just at 410, not just at Stone Oak, but all around the world in the uttermost parts of the earth. This is a body that I believe if John were writing this letter to today, he would say the things that we see that are being commended here. As Gaius says, I see your love. I see your love for the brethren. I see your support for those who are going. I see your love for the stranger. As John closes this letter, he says in verses 13 through 14, I had many things to write to you, but I am not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face-to-face. Peace to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. This morning I have the privilege of speaking to you face-to-face and sharing with you the greetings of the brothers and sisters in Rwanda and Uganda and Congo and South Africa and even Australia and India and Canada and others who were there from all over the world who say thank you to Wayside Chapel for your partnership. Thank you for your faithfulness in the gospel. We are a body of believers who have been called by God to impact our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So as we leave today after communion, as we come to a close now in a moment and we'll be having communion, I want you to remember That every heart without Christ is a mission field. And every heart that knows Jesus is a missionary. And God calls us to go out these doors when we leave and to be the church. To impact our schools. To impact our workplaces. To impact the coastal area in Houston and around the world like the men are doing in Peru this morning from Wayside. God calls on us to be his love letter, his message to people of the good news. So as we come to the communion table now, what we see is God's love letter to us. His love letter that was written and sent through his son, Jesus Christ. In John 3, 16, we're told, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And what the communion table reminds us of is of God's love letter, not written with ink, but with the blood of his son that was poured out for us. As Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never come to faith in Christ by saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I realize that, that I'm lost without your son, that I can't earn my way to you. I can't be good enough to get to you, God. But I know what you did. I know what you did when you left your throne in heaven and came to earth, ultimately to go to that cross, to spread your arms wide and pay the penalty of my sin. Remember, the wages of sin is death. And if you say, God, I recognize what you did and I want to receive that great gift today. I want to accept your son as my savior then the Bible says that you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. And so if you've never come to faith in Christ, I invite you this morning to do so. If you're ready to turn from your sins and to Christ to be your Savior, when the elements come by, take the bread representing the body of Christ. Take the cup representing his blood and say, God, I'm accepting your gift today. I'm accepting your payment in my place and you'll be saved. You'll be a part of the family. For the rest of us who have already accepted the Lord in the past, maybe we haven't been living as we should. The Bible says that when we sin, we can confess our sins. It says we don't lose our salvation, but we can block our fellowship with God. And he says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he tells us as we come to the communion table, we should come with clean hands and hearts. We should confess our sins. We should prepare our hearts. So as the elements are being passed, if you have some sin in your life that you've not yet asked God for forgiveness for, use this time to do that. You don't have to be a member of Wayside Chapel in order to join us at this table. This is a family table for all who are believers in Christ. We welcome you to partake with us if you're a believer in Christ. Will you serve us, please? So here we hold in our hand a piece of bread. It's not just a piece of bread. It represents the body of Jesus Christ. It represents God's great love letter to us. As Romans five eight says, He demonstrated his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The body of Jesus seated in remembrance of him. here we have a cup, a cup of juice, but it is not just juice. It represents the precious blood of Jesus. It represents God's love letter written not with quill and ink, but with the very blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Precious blood shed to wash away my sins and yours. The blood of Jesus, drink it in remembrance of him. join me as we pray lord god we thank you for this day we thank you for this day where we get to celebrate at so many levels celebrate the faithfulness of a group of believers who have followed you and your call on our lives faithfully for decades upon decades father we're not patting ourselves on the back we're just thankful that you've counted us worthy to be partners with you We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son and and what you've done through him in redeeming and saving lost, wretched people like me and others. We thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted us with the gift of eternal life and the, the message of eternal life, and you call us to be your messengers of hope as we leave, whether it's to be to touch one life through sponsoring a child whether it's to be touching the life of a child in a desk next to us at school or a person in a cubicle where we work or traveling and going into places of devastation like the Gulf Coast or cities like Houston or the small surrounding communities that may feel forgotten. Father, we thank you that you've chosen to use us as your messengers and your hands and feet. So may we be faithful. May we be the church as we leave this building. May we indeed reach out to the community and others around us with the life-changing message of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of new life. We pray now, Lord, that we would be messengers of that hope. Thank you for what you've done for us, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray and thank you. Amen.